Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. On today's show is Peggy Webb, who is founder of West River Academy. Now, for those of you out there considering homeschooling, either taking your children out of school or never entering the school system, this is the show for you because Peggy and her organization, West River, have figured out a way to help you do that. And we get into exactly the service that they offer it's consider it like a bit of a safety net for anyone looking to homeschool and exit the system without exiting the system it's kind of a loophole uh, i hope you enjoy it before we recorded i said to peggy listen my uh, my audience there's no holds barred you can you can go down any rabbit hole you want with a bitcoiner uh, they have open minds and they're a curious bunch and my goodness she she opened up a, a massive one about midway through uh, which took me by surprise. I'm sure it took you by surprise as well. Um, yeah, stick with it. Uh, hang around for that and um, reach out to Peggy if you think that uh, she's offering a service that's going to interest you. Thank you, as always, for listening and thank you to the show sponsors. Now, you know who they are, but uh, big shout out now. We're very close to the conference. If you can get there, please do your own research on travel regulations and medical requirements. That's all I'll say. But uh, it's 6th to the 9th of April 2022 in Miami Beach or on Miami Beach. And a four-day event. Day one is Industry Day. Day two and three are the General Conference, including speakers such as uh, Bukele and uh, Stark, Mallers, Back, Sailor, Al, uh, JP Spears as well. Uh, the conference um, is then the fourth day finished off with the Bitcoin Music Festival Sound Money Fest, headlined by rapper... Logic, Steve Aoki, CL, Run the Jewels, Deadmau5, San Holo, and many more. You can use the code BITTEN at checkout to get yourself a 10% discount. Also, huge thanks to the stacking services who will be present at this conference. I know for a fact Swan Bitcoin are going to have a big presence there. That's swanbitcoin.com forward slash BITTEN. We'll get you a free 10 bucks. I believe Shift Crypto are going to be making an appearance. That's shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bits and saves you 5% on the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. If they are there, go and talk to them about their hardware wallet and its features and get a demo because it's a great piece of kit. And you know you have to get your keys under control. Not your keys, not your coin. Get them on a hardware wallet. Use the Bitbox. Bitcoinreserve.com forward slash Bitten. That is a stacking and large position building service across Europe. Make sure you give those guys a look. They have a flash and concierge service, a white glove service if you are looking to put on size, 50 grand of pounds or euros or more, or dollars of course. Uh, Coincorner.com forward slash Bitten. They're in the Isle of Man. Great team. Danny Scott and the guys, they've been on the show a couple of times. You can stack with those guys and get your own lightning email address and of course relay.ch forward slash bits and they are across europe very much a dollar cost average service like swan out of the us here's the show with peggy 
All right, guys, we're here with Peggy Webb from West River Academy. Hi, Peggy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Daniel, for having me come and talk about all these cool things about education. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a random appearance on a Bitcoin podcast, but uh, don't worry, all will become clear. Uh, and hopefully one day we'll get you um, looking into uh, Bitcoin a little closer. But uh, that that's for another I have discussion. some Litecoin. Does that count? Mm. Can I join your club? <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably not. No. Okay. <laughs> like I said, uh, a discussion for another day. Yeah. Uh, but Lauren, of course, is uh, is ready with the first question. Hi. Hi, Lauren. What's your question? Okay, so my question is, why did you make West River Academy? Wow. Okay, so that goes way back to the 1980s, shall we say, dating ourselves. I'm a grandmother. Um, and I was raising three children. And uh, I learned about homeschooling from a friend of mine who was a teacher in the Detroit inner city schools. And she had three daughters. And what the oldest one was in a Montessori school, which she thought would be cool. But their daughter came home one day and said, mommy, the teacher is pinching my cheek when I do something wrong. And first of all, you don't do that. And second of all, in a Montessori school, like that's not, not their philosophy. So um, she was six years old. And um, so she said to her mo mother, mommy, you're a teacher. Why don't you just teach me? And so my friend said, hmm, let me look into that. So she went to the local library and she was very quiet. You know, it's like, you don't talk about this. You could get in trouble. So she went to the library and did some research and about the laws like Michigan, Ohio, which is where we lived at the time. And um, she thought, hmm, I think maybe I can do this. And so she started to homeschool her, her daughter who was six, and then she had two younger ones. Well, at the time I had just given birth to my first child and I was teaching English as a second language at the University of Toledo in Ohio. And um, they approached me and asked me if I could do that. And I went, oh, I've got this baby. Um, but so I asked my friend who was already working with her three girls at home, I said, would you like to watch my daughter for a couple hours, a um, couple times a week so that I can go teach? And she said, sure, I'll do that. And I said, by the way, what, what are you doing like in your house with all these cool things and like, you know, the Montessori style tactile touching and all this really art stuff and all that. And I said, what, what are you doing? She goes, well, she told me the story about her daughter, Krista. And I said, oh, um, wow, that sounds interesting. And my ears perked up because I love new ideas. It's like, I don't want to shut anybody down who has some other ideas or opinions about things, which is always, as a side note, kind of freaked me out because people don't want to know new things. Like, why? Aren't you curious? <laughs> so I always liked knowing new things. I said, so how can I learn about what, what is this? And, and she said, well, it's called homeschooling. And um, there's a certain part of it. It's more of kind of an unschooling approach. And um, it was, the word itself was coined by John Holt back in the 70s. And um, I said, well, how can I learn? And she said, oh, just get all the books you can about John Holt that he, that he wrote and read them. So I found myself going to the library, getting all these books and reading about John Holt. And um, I was intrigued. And the interesting thing, when I started reading it, it just was like, I resonated with it so deeply. It was like, I know this, I've always known this, but I'm reading this uh, like it's new, 
it, it was just a strange feeling. Like, why wouldn't people understand this? Why wouldn't people do this? So the whole idea of unschooling is the opposite of school. And he, John Holt, if you're not aware, probably most people aren't, um, was an educator. Um, he went to Yale University. He got his teacher's degree. He started teaching as a substitute teacher in the schools in New Haven, Connecticut. And um, he started, he also had friends that had these little preschool kids. And so he'd visit them and then he'd go to teach and then he'd visit them and he'd go to teach. And he'd realized that when he was in the classroom with a bunch of fifth graders that they didn't really care about learning. They were throwing spitballs and making noise. And he thought, hmm, what makes these really curious little kids that just can't, you can't stop them from getting into stuff because they're so curious and they want to learn. What changes that into these 10-year-olds that couldn't care less about learning the stuff that I'm teaching them? <laughs> and so he started to observe and take notes. And he wrote books like Teach Your Own and What Do I Do on Monday? And you know, where he basically said, and he quoted, let me also quote um, a forward to a book um, by Albert Einstein. The forward was, was by Albert Einstein. And he said, you can stop a pasture grazing animal from eating by force feeding. And that really was a light that, that blinked in his head. He said, wow. So something that you, that the species does naturally, you can actually stop that from happening when you add coercion, when you force it on, on that individual or the whole species. So he said, ah, that's what's happening in school. It's not that the kids aren't curious. It's that they've been told they have to learn this or they have to do it in a certain way. Like when you're in kindergarten, the teacher says, okay, we're going to draw. Um, we're going to draw bananas. And the child goes, okay, I'm going to draw a banana. And it turns out to be purple. And the teacher says, no, 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 you can't. It's not purple. Bananas are yellow. The sky is blue and the sun is yellow. And you have to do between the lines and the coloring book style. And kids start realizing when they hit school that it, it's, my creativity is, is not a good thing, that I have to follow directions. I have to color between the lines because then my reward is I get a gold star and I love it because that's a cool reward and the teacher says oh look at so-and-so's drawing and they put that one up but they don't put the other ones up with a purple banana <laughs> right so the child starts learning from a very young age that this is okay this is not okay and yet in the preschool age what happens when your child says the first word you say, oh, now we're going to have talking lessons. No, you go, yay, you said dada, you said mama. Oh, that's so cool. You encourage, you congratulate, you, you know, you're so positive reinf reinforcing what the child has done. And then they get a little bit older and they say, look what I built. And, you know, look, I'm riding my tricycle. I can make the pedals work. And then, oh, I can ride my bicycle without training wheels. And what is a parent's reaction? Oh, now we're going to have walking lessons. Now we're going to have biking lessons. No, it's like, this is so cool. Yay, you're making progress. So then automatically, almost, it seems, when the child goes in school, there's a 180 degree switch. And now the child is, hey, look at what I, oh, be quiet. You can't talk out of turn. Raise your hand. Oh, okay. Uh, teacher, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, no, bathroom time is later. Can't go now. Oh, look at my purple banana. No, no, it's yellow. 
And so you, they start molding you and pushing you into a certain path that's acceptable. So your innate desire to be curious and creative starts to be kind of damped down by everyone telling you how and what and when things should be done. So that's what John Holt was all about. And he said, okay, so what happens in school? Um, you're doing something and then you're really into it and the bell rings and now you have to stop doing it because now it's time to do something else. So let's do the opposite. When you're into something and you want to keep doing it, do it as long as you want. And when you're done, stop doing it. You know, it's kind of like maybe you like carrots, but you're not going to keep eating carrots forever and ever and ever. You're, you're going to stop because you're full. <laughs> and then maybe the next day you'll have carrots again. Maybe the next day you'll have carrots again. But a child isn't going to keep doing the same thing forever and ever. There's going to be a natural time when they want to stop and they want to take a break and do something else. And so this is all the natural rhythm of each individual child that there's no way that can be really nurtured when the child is in a group of 30 other kids with one teacher that's being told what she has to teach or he has to teach. And then he's got to administer it. And then he becomes an administrator and there's no real connection between the teachers and the kids because the teachers are so frazzled that they've got to get these 30 kids up to a certain place by a certain time. So they put pressure on the kids and the kids feel it. And there's this anxiety and all this stuff happens in school, which John Holt was saying, we can avoid that by taking away the time crunch, by taking away the coercion, you know? So um, that was what he was all about. Let's do the opposite of what school does. And that's what his books were all about. And when I read those books, I just went, of course, well, now I had a Japanese husband at the time who just couldn't wait to live in the United States and be a PTA dad. You know, he just thought that'd be the coolest thing because he hated the Japanese system. He had so much pressure, first son of the first son that had to perform. So he just thought coming to the States and being a dad, you know, was going to be so freeing and that our school system was going to be so great. <laughs> And so then I was reading John Holt and I said, hey, would you like to take a look at this idea? <laughs> and at first I thought he was going to flip out, but he actually embraced it and uh, he got to love it. And so um, our first daughter never went to school and um, we had three daughters and they could all do different things. So um, but anyway, how I got started was because of that introduction to John Holt. So then as my youngest one, my oldest one became older, you know, I said, ah, we're not doing preschool. No, we're not doing kindergarten. Forget that. No, you're not going on the school bus. And um, so we just continued to do that. And then there were other people. I met a lady um, in Ohio where I lived and she um, was just had learned about homeschooling and she wanted to take her seventh grader out of school. And she wanted to start a support group and she wanted to really go big and tell the world, you know, and I was like, wait a minute, I got this little six-year-old trying to stay under the radar. <laughs> like, let's not make a big deal about this, you know, but so we compromised because she was really all about that. And so we, we produced a newsletter and we did field trips for all the kids. And um, we started a group in Perrysburg, Ohio called the Home Education League of Parents. And then we invited people to come. And interestingly, the first person that we had come and speak uh, to our group was uh, Pat Montgomery from Clonlara. That's uh, that was a, one of the first unschooling type schools 
um, in the country, maybe in the world, and it still is going in Michigan. And um, then a little bit later, we had John Taylor Gatto come, and he was the New York City and New York State Teacher of the Year. And he wrote this scathing editorial to the New York Times when he quit <laughs> condemning the entire system. And um, so we got wind of that. We contacted him and said, hey, would you come in? and do a talk. So we got the University of Toledo, this big auditorium, we invited all these, the parents, we had like, like I think 400 people turned up and John Taylor Gatto did the, did the talk. And he went on to become a big advocate of homeschooling, particularly unschooling. And um, he was thwarting all the New York City school guidelines by having his lab school where the kids could go out into the community and do all this this natural learning type of work based on their interests. And of course he got in trouble for doing that because he wasn't following the rules, <laughs> but um, that's why he quit eventually. But so back in the day, we had some really cool um, people involved with getting this whole thing started. So we were very much into the unschooling uh, way of doing things because we saw the value of letting a child start with like they're they're a baby and we saw what parents did and why not let that continue why send them to a place that separates them from their family and say okay now you're with a bunch of other four-year-olds and you're going to learn how to share and you're going to learn how to you know do all these things in a in a big group why not keep them in the family um this one lady that we um we had give a talk one time said you know if, if children were supposed to all be like two-year-olds in a group of 25, then um, we would have been able to produce litters. <laughs> yeah. But we don't. We produce one or two or three kids at one time, and then you have another. And so that young child follows the parents because what does a baby do? But they want to learn. They want to be like the, the bigger kids. They want to be like the parent. So that the parent is modeling to the child. Then that child becomes older and now another baby's born. And now the big brother or sister is the model along with the parents for the younger child. So the learning happens very slowly and in a very um, natural and loving environment of modeling, right? And it, that's the way nature made it. So why do we take kids out of the family thinking that if we send them somewhere else, they're going to be able to learn better. <laughs> you know, when you really think about it, it makes you wonder, like, how did this whole thing get started in the first place? Like, whose idea was this anyway? It's, that's, that's such a great point. And uh, there's some, I've been like pulling on this thread a little bit and tweeting about this. But before we go down that little rabbit hole there, have you finished with your question? Did you want to hang around? or are you... uh, Long answer. No, I'm, I'm finished. Yeah, yeah. okay. Would well, you want to say thank you and good night to Peggy? Bye. Thanks, Lauren. That was a great question. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I took a long time to answer it, but it's it was quite quite the story to get started. So just to finish the the question. Um, so in Ohio, I did a I started a support group and I looked at the laws because I wanted to start a school, but the law said no, it's got to be a physical building. And I went, okay, can't do that. So that was that. So we just continued on. Well, then I moved to Colorado, and the first thing I did was I looked at the laws. 
And the laws basically, three of the laws said the government had no business interfering. And the fourth law said, you have to offer all these, these subjects, reading, writing, arithmetic, right? And I thought, oh, I can do that. So I took the support group that I had started in Colorado and said to them, hey, would you guys like to join my school? It's called West River Academy. <laughs> That's all I did. And of course, then as we grew, um, we incorporated, we became a Colorado corporation. And, you know, then we moved to uh, California and we did all the stuff we have to do in California to file. But that's how it started back in the day. And it was uh, 1993 is the date I'd like to put it because that's when we actually moved to Colorado and uh, we got the whole thing going. Then the support group fizzled out and the school West River Academy took over. And um, so I've been doing that ever since. And then that kept growing. And eventually all three of my daughters started to work with me. So we expanded that way. Family business. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the whole story to answer your question, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Thank you. yeah, so that's all my questions. I'm going to leave the rest for you. Okay. Um, anyway, see you. Bye. Bye, Lauren. Thanks, Peggy. Oh, so much to go on. Uh, you and I have obviously chatted before, and uh, I've interviewed you for, before for the Galileo um Homeschool Summit, World School Summit. Uh, we, we've got to think of a better name because that, and we'll talk about this, this, this idea of homeschool and uh, we've got to kick that name aside. We really have. But, you, you know, something you said there right at the end, um, you were saying, how did we get to this point? How did we like, you know, sw you know move away from, you know, the, the family, like natural learning, basically. Uh, and I, I literally tweeted the other day, you know, um, yeah, what's so alternative about natural learning? You know, school is the alternative. Like we, we live under this, you and I live under this moniker of being, you know, in the alternative in air quotes education space. No, we're not. We're in the natural education space. School is the alternate. It, it truly school is. School has only been existing for a couple hundred years. Correct. And how long like... has humanity been existing? Right. <laughs> And what did people do when there were no schools? It's amazing. <laughs> did people the, not learn at all? <laughs> it's amazing the power that they have and yeah. that the coercion that they've managed to. And I was reading, well, listening to um, John Telegato's book, Weapons of uh, Mass Instruction. And he lays it out brilliantly in the first third of that book uh, about how, you know, lo and behold, it's all of the expected family names that you would uh, that, that keep cropping up that uh, were funding and coercing and building this this Prussian model, modeling specifically the Prussian model, just importing that from from Germany to to the US with, um, you know, it, it, it could never fail because the money was always going to find its way there because they needed to shape the um, well, they were shaping the gene pool, basically, weren't they? It was, exactly. It's just oh yeah, total coercion and total manipulation and control. You know, you, how do you control a population? You know, you start as early as possible, <laughs> and how and you have to destroy the family. So you make it so that one person has to leave the home all the time to go to work, and then oh, that's not enough. Now both them, both parents have to leave the home to go to work. And then we get the kids going in another direction. And so you've basically split up the family at least eight hours a day. And so that leads to the divorce and the, all the stuff that we have going in our society that are, that are not good things. No, they truly aren't. So yeah, for, um, for those people then, uh, then listening, um, 
Let's talk about this this idea of uh, homeschooling or unschooling and the difference of the uh, belief system there. Okay, well, homeschooling is a terrible word, but it's the one that got, that got things going, where you basically are schooling your child at home. And the problem with that is, first of all, most people, you know, who are wanting their children to learn in the best way aren't actually schooling them at all. And the last place it takes place is home. <laughs> you know, our world is the classroom and we have world schoolers. We have people that are traveling all the time and the kids are just learning like crazy. So the two words together don't even make sense, but that's what they came up with. Now, if we talk about the world of homeschooling, we have a, um, a slide, right? So it goes from maybe what you would call homeschooling on one side where you school at home. And this tends to be the people that are, are of a religious persuasion, mostly Christian, that believe that the schools are just teaching the wrong thing. And so we'll take our kids out of school we'll get the contents, the books, the materials that are in line with our religion or philosophy. And then we will teach our children with our own principles and values and content. And it's really not too different from school except the content. And they still do the testing and it's still the parents that are in control that they give the children very little say in what's to be learned or how it's to be learned. Um, but the nice thing about it is that they can get so much done in a couple hours that they do, then do have the rest of the day for the kids to do more interesting things um, because what they found out, and John Taylor Gatto actually did an experiment with this and was asking um, teachers and so forth and found out that uh, for eight hours of schooling, there's about 40 minutes worth of actual learning happening during that because it's all about you know the administration and changing classes and the teacher yelling at the kids and oh there's a divorce class here and there's a, another class here the kids are going coming and going so the actual amount of learning time that was happening was about 40 minutes in an eight hour day so when you take 40 minutes versus two hours in two hours you can get more than double learned and then you have six hours to spare you know for the kids to do fun stuff so even on the most extreme rigidly controlled system, there's fewer hours spent pushing the pencil, so to speak. <clears throat> now you go to the other extreme and that would be unschooling. And that's where, like I said, it's more natural learning and you're asking the children, what do you wanna to learn today? Or you have maybe short-term and long-term planning. And I used to sit down with my kids at the beginning of the school season and say, um, well, what do you guys wanna learn this year? And we'd write it all down. And so we'd have a discussion. And what do you want to do? And do you want to take, you want to continue this ballet class? Do you want to keep doing this? You know, oh, pottery, okay. And then because we had a support group, we could go to the local potter and say, hey, you know, we understand that you can only teach in the afternoon after school, but we got a bunch of homeschoolers. Would you teach a bunch of homeschoolers a pottery class? And we do the same thing with gymnastics. We had the kids go at 10 in the morning for their gymnastics. They were all the homeschool kids. So, um, those kids, you know, the, the ones that are the unschoolers, basically you're asking them, what do you want to learn? And then when you find like, how am I going to do this? Like, where can I find this? Then you go, well, why don't we just make it? You know, I had this friend that helped me start in, back in Ohio. She um, started a symphony for Toledo, the Toledo, Ohio in that city. 
She, um, she's a musician herself, a flautist and was a teacher and had a child that wanted to play an instrument. And, um, but he wasn't in school and how could he play, you know? So she said, okay, well, I'm not going to just be defeated and go, oh, I can't because he's homeschooled. I'm going to start it myself. So she created, she got a board of directors and pulled together all these community people and said, we're going to start the Toledo Youth Orchestra and we're going to have auditions. So she got the best kids from all over the area to audition for this youth orchestra. And it, I don't know if it's still going, but you know, that's how you do it. So when people say, oh, I can't do this because my kid's not in school. Yes, you can <laughs> figure it out. That's human ingenuity. That's what we do as human beings. We create solutions. We don't sit back and go, oh, I can't do it because, you know, we're not victims. And so, so that's what we do with unschooling. We ask our kids, what do you want to do? And how can we make this happen for you? But we don't do all the work. So my, for example, my, um, my daughter, when she was nine, we moved um, to Colorado and she had been taking horseback riding lessons and she wanted to continue and uh, we just got there. We didn't know anybody. And so um, I said, okay, well, here's the yellow pages, right? No internet phone book. I said, go through the yellow pages and, you know, start looking and see what kind of riding you want to do. See where the stables are and uh, make me a list. And then, then you can, we'll figure out the questions and I need to know, you know, where are they and what kind of teaching staff do they have and what kind of riding do they do? And, uh, what do they charge for lessons and so forth? And so she did all that research. And then um, I said, okay, let's, let's call the stables. And so she did. And she asked the questions. And then I said, I want you to come up with a top three that you think are the ones that we should go take a look at. So we did. And then we found one that we liked. And so we decided to go with that stable, but I didn't do all the work for her. You know, she had to invest her own time because if she just said, mommy, I want to take writing lessons and I did all the work, maybe she wasn't that interested. So I said, okay, you want to take writing lessons? Here's what you do. And now I would see if she would follow through because if she didn't follow through, then how interested was she really? And I've met so many parents who do all the work for their kids and the kids take no responsibility. And then at the end, like years later, they'll say, I'm a failure and it's all your fault. <laughs> you know, they just blame, um, especially if they're not on board with the whole thing. And it's come, it becomes sort of a thing that the parents want to do. And the kids are kind of fighting and screaming, kicking and screaming, but they do it anyway because they're not invested. So for me, it was all about what do you want to do? How can we make this happen together? And you take responsibility for that. And if it's not working out for you, we don't have to continue. So we had a rule that um, if you want to take lessons, for example, and we figure all that out, then I'll put out the lessons for say, whatever it is, a month. And at the end of the month, if you don't want to continue and you show me that because you don't practice the piano every day anymore, <laughs> then I'm not going to make you practice piano, but we're just going to stop the lessons. You know, so, and I would say, unless there's abuse going on, if I pay for something, you have to complete it. If I pay for one month, you have to complete the month, but you don't have to do this forever, right? So that was the deal that we had. I thought it was fair. And you take responsibility because if you decide you want to stop playing piano because you're not practicing and we stop, 
then don't blame me five years later because I didn't push you to continue piano because now you really want to be better, but you're not because you gave up and it's my fault because I let you give up. Like, no, 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 not doing it that way. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's the freedom and responsibility. They do have to go together. For sure. And it, like there's so many of these stories in, in this this side of the fence, you know, in, in the homeschool, unschool side of the fence. Whereas you look at the the uh, the other option, which is you know, the the forced uh, school option, to to use John Taylor Ghetto's uh, terming. Um, what what the, the best way I can describe it is like that, you know, that they're intent on raising kids, whereas the unschooler types are intent on raising adults. Mm-hmm. And what you get throughout this journey is unbelievable. When you, when you can actually do a comparison uh, of the two and even at adult level even at like um 30 35 years of age you, you can see you know how many how many people have, well let's look at let, what's happened the last 18 months people can't think for themselves oh. and this is a direct result of being told what to do and how to do it and when to do it and move on the bell and all of this conditioning that and then been, trusting Yes. Trusting the people that are your your prison wardens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to take care of me. No, not really. <laughs> it's for your safety. It's for your health. Um, yeah. But I, what, I just hope that, and, and people that listen to this podcast um, have, have definitely shown interest in looking at things differently when it comes to either uh, having kids, first of all, because there's a lot of young listeners, those that have got toddler age that are perhaps going down the, uh, the rabbit hole of research right now of you know, what you generally get drawn into is trying to find the house that's closest to the school that you think has got the best results. And then you end up overpaying for the property and all of these little traps that you, you get pulled into Uh, that's going to keep you at work for longer hours and away from your kid for a longer time or they're into like you said earlier they're into kindergarten well what's going on the u.s you you, you, like that's where it all starts right isn't there a pre-kindy for kindy for um the the right high school that feeds into the right university nowadays um yeah there there is i mean they've been trying to get lower and lower aged uh, requirements for schooling they haven't been very successful so it's always been at five you know they haven't really gone down to four um, although it's offered but the actual compulsory attendance laws are different in every state and in some states it's five in some states it's six and it used to be seven you know in some states I think they rolled that one back um, and then the completion um, in some states is 16 and other states is 18 you know, so the states are in control, supposedly here. But of course, the federal government gets involved through all the bribes. So they have the Department of Education, which says, oh, yeah, but we're going to give you all this money if you do this. And so, of course, then the bribes set in and, and they start follow, following a specific policy and they all start doing the same thing lockstep, even though they supposedly have the freedom to choose the kind of education for the people of their state. But um, yeah, so five is generally the age that kids start school in the United States. 
in other yeah, countries there it's down to two it's crazy what they've yeah like done. here in france um you know it's the year you turn three uh mm. so um and they run it january wow. to december uh, so it's um it's it's too early you know you've got you've got kids they have sleep sessions for those kids you know like you've got kids all like uh, and all they do is just throw down a few mats on the floor and turn the lights off like and, and people yell at me for comparing schools to a prison like, Guys. <laughs> <laughs> well i always tell people you know what's the only other institution like school on the entire planet and it's prison and then people go, wow, I didn't think of it that way. Well, yeah, you have no choice. You have to be there. You have to be with the people that are there. There's, you're not, you have nothing to say about who's in charge of your food and your drink and your play at your recess and your exercise. No one's in charge of that. I mean, you're not, everybody, the other um, prison people are. And so you can't get out except, you know, because it's compulsory, right? You have to be in a school of some kind until the homeschooling laws came about. And still they want to control that. And in some states, you know, like Pennsylvania, New York, you have to get permission from the superintendent and you have to send in quarterly reports. And, you know, there's no real freedom in that, except they're not doing it in the building. Yeah, no, I didn't realize it was so vastly different across all the states, because obviously um, it's different. All the different countries in Europe have uh, vastly different uh, approaches. Some completely outlaw it. Um, people would be shocked to know that it's illegal in, in Holland, um, as, many, as well as Germany and, and Sweden, I think. Uh, France are trying to outlaw it here as of uh, September. Uh, they're getting a little bit of pushback, but not enough. Uh, it seems people are more than happy just to throw their hands up and give freedoms away. Um, or, or there's just such a fringe minority that it's not big enough of a deal for anybody to really make a fuss about and they can just start squeezing these little laws in when nobody's looking. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's very worrying. Uh, what, what would you say to somebody? Well, you, you do this all the time through your consultation. If, if someone out there is listening and uh, that, you know, a few light bulbs are going off, like they have for you and I in the past. And when, when we've made these big decisions, they feel like such big decisions at the time. Uh, and I try and tell people, well, you know, what's the risk, really? If you if you weigh up the risk, if the risk is you spend a year, a school year as a family, you don't even need to travel, of course, like, but at home with at least one of the parents or uh, extended family, and you're not subjected to everything that comes with the school system and your son or daughter isn't subjected to the anxieties and everything that comes with that system as well. If you don't like it, like the education is going to be there, you know, the system isn't going away for for a very, very long time. You've just risked a year at home getting to know each other a little bit better. And if it didn't work out, fine, but you can always send them back. So you, you've had hundreds of these conversations. What, what do you, in your experience, what are the main concerns that, are, that are people are uh, you know, bringing up to you? Well, it's fear. That's all. It's fear as a result of their own indoctrination. Right? right. Because so it's not like pointing the finger. It's we all have been subjected to the public school system. I was, yeah, I hated it as a kid, but I had no choice. I fought and screamed when I got on the school bus <clears throat> and I pretended to be sick and <laughs> went home, but I just didn't like being there. 
And um, so I think if we all remember our childhoods, there's probably a majority of the people on this planet who would say my school experience wasn't really one that I find favorable. There are some kids that just love school, I suppose. I haven't found very many of them or, you know, or they say, well, yeah, I had a great school experience. And then if I question them further, it's like, well, but yeah. And I would say, well, it, do you think that you learned more inside in, during school or outside of school? Oh, outside of school. Well, what if you didn't have school at all? Then you would have learned way more, right? <laughs> you know, just little things like that. You can ask parents, <clears throat> but mostly by the time they come to talk to me, they want to do it. You know, they've done their research. And so I don't, I used to, when in back in the days, I used to like go to the library and put on these like monthly things and tell people about it. And, you know, but, and even then I didn't have people coming who were there to argue with me. They were there because they wanted to hear. So I don't believe it's right to go try to twist people's arm and make them see it my way. Because when you've got that cognitive dissonance going on because of the indoctrination, the mind control, the hypnosis that you're under, you're, and you, you're almost like in a defensive position. So you strike out and you want to just hit the person with a new idea. <laughs> you don't want to listen. So people in that mindset, it's not worth your time to try to convince right now. There are situations where you have a relative that is totally opposed to what you want to do with your own children, <laughs> but they make it difficult for you. Some even report you to child protective services. I mean, they're nasty. <laughs> Some of these you know, relatives, they just think you're doing such a horrible thing. So the way we help as a school is we say, okay, you know, I understand that you've got someone who um, is very antagonistic towards what you're doing. And um, so what we can do then is, well, first of all, you can tell your relative that you've put your child in a private school because West River Academy is a private school. And we, we, our program is through remote learning or distance learning, just like everyone's used to it now, the Zoom classes. So it's remote learning and we are supervising the education. In other words, like you don't have to trust your in-law, you can trust the authority here, you know, which not really, but we pretend, you know, and so they have somebody to say it's our kids are under someone else's supervision, who knows what they're doing. So you don't have to worry about it. And um, then at the end of the year, they can order a transcript so we can put on it, you know, social studies, language, arts, science, math, PE, art, music. And then we give a grade, which comes from the parents anyway, because they know their kids the best. And honestly, just as a side note, parents don't cheat. It's very interesting. Parents tend to be harder on grading their kids than they should be, honestly, so when people say, oh, you can just give them all straight A's. Well, yeah, you can, but how's that going to help them if they get all straight A's and then they are put into a situation where they have to prove it and they can't. <laughs> That's not going to help. It's setting them up for failure. So parents know that. But anyway, we can provide the transcript that they can then present to the relative to say, hey, you know, our child was enrolled in, in this private school that supervised their education. They weren't off on the loose, like wreaking havoc in the town all day you know, and here's a transcript to prove that this is what they did. And it shows this student is promoted to grade five. And now the relative's like, oh, good. Wow. Okay. They passed grade four. Yay. So now they're not so 
worried because it's fear. It's, it all boils, boils down to fear. So if they see the transcript and they see the child has passed the grade and maybe they'll let up the next time, the next year, you know? So there's that. And then there's also um, asking the relative to do some research. Like before you come to me and, and condemn me for what I'm doing with my children, by the way, um, why don't you read these articles and then come back to me and we'll talk about it or ask some questions based on, on this article? Or would you read this book by John Holt or by uh, John Taylor Gatto? And after you read this book and you have some idea of what we're talking about here, uh, then I'm happy to discuss some of the points. But without having any information on this topic, you really have no right to interfere. So get, go get yourself from some information first. And then we have something to talk about. So I think you have to give some responsibility to the people that are are coming up against you. But, you know, I, I never go out and try to convert people like that's the worst thing to do. So you just you just wait. And now when they do come and they say, you know, I'm really scared, but my husband really wants to do this or the other way around. Um, and I'm just calling you because I don't know where to start. And that's where, you know, we have a, a term called de-schooling, which really is deprogramming. Right. And I tell people, you know, we are all programmed. We all have to be de-schooled because we've all been programmed and, and convinced that school is where learning happens and it's the only place. <laughs> How, if you think about it, is that true? So a lot of things we just ask the question, here's what, here's what I've been told, here's what I believe my whole life. Is it true? Is it really true? And you go down that a little bit. So, well, I guess, so in other words, when your child is not in school, no learning happens. Is that true? Well, no. Okay, well then what does he do when he's outside of school? Oh, he's climbing trees, he's looking at bugs, he's, you know, well, so that's not learning though. And he can only do that when he's finished his homework. Yeah. Okay, well, do you think he's done more learning doing his homework or climbing trees and looking at bugs? Well, he's way more interested in bugs than he is in doing his math. So at the end of the day, he can probably tell you a lot about the bugs. Can he tell you anything about the math he just did the homework for? Uh, probably not so much. So do you think more learning has happened maybe when he's not been in school that day? You know, so you can kind of help people to move from, well, yeah, I guess he really was learning too. He was learning a heck of a lot more, you know, outside of school. And when parents start realizing that, then your question comes in where, so if you took a year, what harm could it do? Then they're maybe more ready to say, well, yeah, just see what happens. And I always tell people in their first year of homeschooling, follow, follow your child around with a notebook. You know, that whole saying of catch a child doing something good, right? Well, catch a child learning. So take your notebook around, follow him all day if you're not with him and say, oh, he's, he's playing with his Legos. Oh, look at what he's doing with his little sister. They're doing pretend, they're playing house. They're, you know, and they're having a conversation. Oh, they're giggling and look at all, man, his vocabulary has grown. You know, so just take notes of that. And by the end of the year, you read your notebook and you go, wow. So we, as a school, ask uh, kids or parents to write a year-end report. And it's not mandatory because we don't want to force anything, but it's, it's strongly recommended for especially first year homeschooling parents, 
Because what they do when they collect all that information and they put it into a report, maybe it's a portfolio, maybe it's with pictures, maybe it's a video, or maybe it's two paragraphs. But just by that exercise, they're proving to themselves how much their child has learned as opposed to being in school. And that's when they get really convinced. So when you say, hey, what, what could it hurt to take a year off? You can always put them back in. But follow that up with take a year off and follow your kid, take notes. And at the end of the year, write up a report as to what your child learned and how he progressed. Where was he nine months ago and where is he now? How is his vocabulary developed? How is his ability to be with all people of all ages and express himself and look people in the eye and shake hands and greet and carry on intelligent conversations with people of all ages? Has that progressed as opposed to being with seven-year-olds for eight hours a day and all they can do is like little expletives, you know, or texting type messages? You know, you, they, they, people see that development and that growth into adulthood, like you were saying, we're raising people to kids, people to be adults, to be in the adult world, because they are in the adult world, until we segregate them and say, well, you belong over here with a bunch of other seven year olds. And it's, it's not natural. And they're taken out of the real world. So when they say, well, you just keep your kids at home, and they don't get to experience other people and other bubble. Yeah, it's like, excuse me, I take my child to the bank, to the grocery store, to the park, you know, to the ocean, they swim, they love sailing lessons. They're like, why am I not in the world? Your kids are in a box eight hours a day. That's not the real world. That's the fabrication. So, you know, you can always argue back that way, because when you think about it, why would anyone think that you are imprisoning your child by keeping him from school? It's such a mind. I don't want to say the word, but it is. Because you can go ahead and say whatever you like. It's, on it's this a mindfuck. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yes. Saying that a child is, is being imprisoned when he's homeschooled, right? It doesn't mean he's at home all the time, but your kid's in a box eight hours a day. And if he's a bad boy, he doesn't even get recess. <laughs> so, you know, what's the real world? And it's funny because in some schools, they pretend they create a bank or they create a grocery store and they do pretend stuff like it to, to fabricate the real world in the classroom. And I tell people like, so do they do real world things in the classroom? Yeah. Well, we don't have to make it because we have the world. <laughs> we, we just have to take our kids there, you know, and a lot of times, you know, parents, there's another thing that parents are, well, they're afraid that they can't teach their child. Like, I, I don't have a college education. Um, I quit school when I was 16. So am I qualified? That's a huge fear because these people have been, we all have been diminished by the powers that be into thinking that we are less than, we are incapable of raising our own children intelligently. It, that again, it's a mindfuck. We believe these things. And we don't question them. But wait a minute, you are 27 years old. You've lived on this planet for 27 years. You've been through all these experiences. And you don't think you're qualified to raise a child without sending him to a school where they indoctrinate him and who knows what agendas they have. I mean, you come in one day, you think you're a boy, you come out the next day, you're a girl. Like, really? Okay. <laughs> that was quick work. You know, what's, 
And is that what you want? This kind of indoctrination and you have no control over it. And you come and go in one day and you're healthy. The next day, they've just pulled you aside and stuck a needle in your arm. Right. And you have, you don't even know about it. Like how safe is that? You know, so aside from the safety factor of schools, you know, which is not happening anymore, there's, there's just so much wrong <laughs> with, with schools in general, but we want to talk about what's right with being in the family environment. So now you as a parent are able to work with your child, just as you did, were you qualified to take care of a, of a one day old? Wow. Now, when I had my first child, it's the only one I had in the hospital, I, I left and I was thinking, they're letting me out with this, how, they don't know what I, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> like they're allowing me to leave and I don't know the first thing about how to raise a baby, you know? But of course you learn and you have a support team and you do what comes naturally. Well, why does that stop when they turn five? Why can't you continue? And do you have to teach them calculus? No. But if they want to learn, you help them find resources. You are the facilitator. You're not the teacher. You're helping them to find the people that they need to be with so that they can do their own learning. And very often, like I said, with the horseback riding teachers, you can have them find their own and you just have to approve it and, you know, do the guidance thing. But kids are very responsible um, if you acknowledge that. It's a lot of parents just treat the kids like they're unthinking creatures that have to be bribed and punished. And they don't realize the intrinsic, the innate intelligence of these young humans. You know, they're brilliant and they're wise. And if we really listen to them and trust them, like John uh, Holt talks about, trust your children they do know. And we just have to communicate. That's another big thing. Parents are worried doing something that they're afraid that they're not going to be good at doing something for their children or to their children, but they don't embrace the with their children aspect. You are two humans in a family. You just happen to have been on earth longer than the other one. Doesn't make you superior. Doesn't make you qualified to be, you know, the authority. You are a guide for that child. And yes, there's discipline and there's like, I know how bad screen time is. I'm not going to let you be on it 24 hours a day. You know, there's those things that you understand the hypnotic nature of some things that children don't understand. So you may have to set in some rules and, you know, you do have to do the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry and the car washing and the garden tending. All these things are part of being a family. And if you think, you know, you're going to get out of it because you're a kid, no, <laughs> we're going to do this together, you know, but still it's, it's, it's bringing your children into your world. It's helping them to understand the world that you have a little more experience living in. So you can set a whole bunch of stuff out there and show them things and then see what they gravitate towards because what children gravitate towards probably has a lot to do with their fundamental purpose for being on this planet at this time. You know, so our, I, I think it's my personal opinion that my job is to help these kids to find out who they are, why they're here and what work they're here to do to contribute to the overall growth of the human race 
and the happiness of the creatures on this planet and the health of the planet and all of the living things on it. I think we're here at a very crucial time because of what we're going through as, as a human species and um, trying to throw off our ask masters. <laughs> and I don't think it's ever happened before that we've been successful. And now I think we're at another point and we're all here trying to, maybe we're coming back, you know, because we didn't succeed previous times. And now here we are again, all at the same place, trying to gain our freedom, planetary freedom. And so we're finding each other. It's no coincidence that the people listening to your podcast are part of the tribe that want the freedom, that want to claim our sovereignty, because that's what our heart is telling us. We are sovereign beings. We know that in the depths of our being, in the depths of our soul and our heart, we know that we came here as sovereign beings. We chose to come here to live this life without any other knowledge, basically, to be blind. You know, I mean, it's, it's a really tough thing in the universe to come here on this planet to be human <laughs> with all the conditions surrounding. It's a very tough job. And we chose to do it. So first of all, we have to be thankful that we're all here. <laughs> You know, that we chose to be here at this time doing this and other, well, um, contrary to what the powers that be want, we can't fight. That's what they want. They want us to divide up between races and ages and, you know, whatever things they want to make up for us to fight about. But we have to say, no, we are one human race interacting with other races of beings on this planet and different species and why can't we live in harmony? Aren't we designed to do that? Isn't that what comes natural to us? So whenever there's some way to divide us, we need to be aware of that and go, uh-uh. We're here. And that, that's within the family. And that's families, communities, you know, the neighborhoods. The whole thing is to say, uh-uh, we're here for a greater purpose. And we're going to do this together. So it's like, you can be vaxxed or not vaxxed. I don't really care. You know, you can be in school or not in school. I don't really care, but let's not fight about it. If you want information, I'm happy to supply it. I'm not going to try to make you be an unschooler. You know, don't try to tell me the virtues of school because I'm not buying it. <laughs> you know, just don't push your thing on me. I won't push my thing on you. But if you're ready for something different, I may be able to help you go down that road and feel comfortable going down that road. Hold your hand. And that's what people want. They want to be handheld which when you're starting something new, wow, it's great support. You're not going to need it your whole life. But when you start, that handholding is really important. So you're here to do that. I'm here to do that. And whoever's listening that wants some help getting their hand held, like, you know, I'm available, you're available. So it doesn't become a scary thing, you know, and start to deprogram by, by reading your own stuff like I did when I was back in the day with John Holt, it's like, I want to know. So I'm going to read, I'm going to find out for myself and I'm going to decide if I like it. And then if you like what you're reading or what you're hearing, that might pique your interest to go a bit further, do some of your own research, and then you might be ready to make the plunge. Yes, let's hope so. Um, and there's something you said in, in, in that response about separating the kids um, at the age of five excuse me, <clears throat> putting them all into um, uh, same age group groups. And I've witnessed this as, as you have and many other homeschoolers is that when, 
when you do those daily chores and you've got the kids with you because you're homeschooling or world schooling or unschooling, whatever it is you do, and you walk into uh, the bank, the supermarket, the cafe or whatever, you might get the one out of 10 person that's going to purse their lips and like, what's going on? Why are their kids here? They should be in school or, you know, that, that, that kind of programmed truancy officer um, that, you know, that's just in their, in their soul. But most other people gravitate towards the kids, like especially old people. And I, I, would, I would argue that it's just as cruel to lock the kids up um, and put them into this box and age segregate them, keep them locked away under the guise of you know, it's for their education. It's just as cruel to lock them away from the older generation who are walking around all day long with no one else to kind of bounce ideas off of other than people of their generation. And I've met personally through my own life choices, and I don't need to work behind a desk anymore. I've met loads and loads of these people with my kids. And we have so many like heartwarming stories of when, when we were traveling. Italy, for example, we'd get on a bus in Italy and old women would fight over our kids to sit them on their laps you know, <laughs> because they just felt starved of, of seeing young children around. And, and then you think about it deeply. It's like how empty are parks during the school season, so to speak? How empty are museums? How empty are um, j- just town squares, high streets of, of the joyful sound of, of kids doing just, you know, what kids do and, and, and families hustling and bustling around? It's, um, this is an attack on the family, like you said before, and it's a wider attack on, on division. And it's also the fear of oral tradition. <clears throat> Indigenous people spend time together and they pass the stories on to the next generation and the next generation. And so the mm-hmm. younger generation knows the stories from centuries back because it's been passed down. The greatest fear of the world controllers is that we know who we are as a, as a people. And they don't want that. So they segregate. They put the old people here and the young people there and the and the middle-aged people in many directions occupying their minds so that they're working and not thinking and not communicating with the generational passing down of information. I think that's the bigger picture of, of that. And so then you have older people that are put in these homes or they're, they're kept in their own home with some caregiver. <clears throat> um, and then the, the next generation is in another home and the next generation is in another uh, place to live, right? So they are, and sometimes they're way far apart, so they don't even live in the same country. <laughs> so there is, that, um, in, there is that inability for the older people to actually be passed down what they know. Like my, <clears throat> my great-grandfather was um, lost on the Titanic. And oh. um, yeah, and so... So I, when I was um, raising my kids, I think my, um, my kids were like, you know, five and two, and we went to visit my uncle, um, and he was the older one in the family, and he had a great recollection of um, his grandfather, who was, it was my great-great-grandfather, was my great-grandfather, my grandfather's father, right, who was lost 
on the Titanic. And I didn't know my, <clears throat> my grandfather that well, but I went specifically to my uncle and asked him for all the details. And I made a video recording of it. And so now my uncle's gone, but I have that. And, um, and then I looked him up and I found out, you know, he was a merchant Marine uh, out of Liverpool and he was also um, a bartender and that made him perfect for the first class lounge. <laughs> he was a bursar in the first class lounge on the Titanic and he applied for that job and he had the right qualifications. And so he went on it. And my grandfather was a, um, a, a, a Irish linen um, manufacturer's representative in the United States in New York. And he was on business in Chicago. And uh, that's when he went to the telegraph office and found that his father's name was not on the survivors list. That's an interesting story, right? And that's just, you know, great, great, great grandfather generation down to, to me. Well, then I told my kids that and I showed them where they could look it up on the internet. <clears throat> so now they have that. But think about all this family history, generational, and not only the history, but the wisdom. That's the real fear, the wisdom, the knowledge, the expansive understanding of who we are and how powerful we are as human beings and how we are not to be diminished. We are amazing and we have been diminished and we've allowed ourselves to be diminished through the systems that have been placed on this planet to make us feel less than. And, and then they've injured us. So then we have autism and we have all these things that are not natural, that are induced by toxicity through vaccinations, through food, through air, you know, all the stuff that comes into our body that's created to hurt us. And then we have to deal with all the illnesses. So we end up taking care of an autistic child until he dies. You know, I mean, we, we, we are, our child doesn't go off and be independent because now we have to give care for the rest of his life. You know, all these things are designed to keep us feeling diminished. So it's a bigger picture than just education. But when you put education in, in the mix, it's a big part of it because all of our life, we are learning. What are we learning? And how much are we buying what we're being told? It, it's it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to take in, and and the the listeners will be very um, uh, sympathetic to to what you're saying because you know we've we've all fallen down this rabbit hole of an alternative financial um, system, and and found the discovery. I suppose um, Knut von Holm would want me to say it's a discovery, not invention. The discovery of uh, of Bitcoin. Um, and then that takes you down the rabbit hole of the, the Federal Reserve and how that was set up um, <clears throat> back in 1913 in, in, in Jekyll Island. And then you learn about the, the families, uh, which you have always kind of heard in the background and always just shrugged off and like, nah, nah, whatever, you guys, I don't know what you're talking about. That's all just crazy foo-foo stuff. Um, always reminds me of that, si uh, that scene in um, So I Married an Axe Murderer. I don't know if you've seen that with Mike Myers. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I get the idea. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to send you the I'll have to send you the um the little clip, but it's brilliant. 
but he just like starts listing off the family names like the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the uh, the Carnegies, and, and the Queen and the Vatican and and all of this um, kind of stuff. And then I, as I was saying earlier, listening to Gatto's book, and he lists these families, um, the the US ones specifically, um, Rockefeller, Carnegie, and one more Peabody, I think. Um, oh. Yeah, Peabody, and um, then there's a family that you never hear of, but it begins with a P. Uh, I'll think of. I'll think of it. Yeah, uh, who's behind the scenes? And you behind never the hear scenes. That. Yeah, completely behind the scenes, um, but somehow controlling everything, controlling mm-hmm. the well, central banks, controlling monetary policy, controlling the education policy. We, you know, we we all think that the buck stops at the finance, um, the, the excuse me, not the finance minister, the, the minister of education. That's where we think the buck stops. Oh, yes, well, the incumbent party, they've got this new minister of education, this unelected bureaucrat that's just been put there, who's been towing the party line, been close to the, uh, the president or the prime minister, depending on which country you live. Now they are going to reform. It's always we're going to reform education. And yeah, we think, yeah, okay, that, that seems legit. They're going to get onto it. But then they're like, no, you've got to go at least three steps higher to figure out what the real agenda is and what the real, and it's not a curriculum, it's an agenda. Exactly. And then you go to the Kazarian, and which we're learning, you can learn about now because of the Ukrainian situation, because Kazaria is part of Ukraine. And if you go down that rabbit hole, you find that the Kazarians don't even come from this planet, but they infiltrated and they, they decided at the time, back in, well, at the time that they didn't want to be Christian or Muslim because there was fighting going on between the Turks and the, uh, what, the Italians. And uh, so they decided they'd be Jewish. So they took on the Jewish religion, but they're not Jews. They're not descendants of Abraham and all that. But they, they use that cover and they use the Talmud and everything and they infiltrated and they're the ones that have infiltrated every single system in the planet. Now, they're not the very top, but they're, they're right up there. And then you have the covens and the families and it goes down to the Italian black nobility, you know, and the Pope and the Jesuits and like they, they create, and then, and of course the Freemasons, like that's like huge. We actually had a festival here in Southern California, the festival of Wales. And one of the boos right there was Masonic family. And they're sitting down and they're smiling and no one was at the booth. And I looked at my husband, I went, Oh man, they're advertising. <laughs> he says, well, they always recruit. And I said, Oh gee, that's an in your face. You know, because, yeah, all the secret stuff they do and the ritualism and the Satanism and all that goes to the Freemasons. And um, how that all got started was actually through the Kazarians. They are the original starters of the Freemasons. So anyway, check that. You can look. You can oh, look my God. That's, that's quite say, a just, rabbit hole. Just when you say you think, you think you've been down a rabbit hole, you know, a, a certain way, then uh, all of these other different ones open up. All right. That, that's. I'll have to um, I'll have to look into that somewhere. I'll send you a link. There's a guy named Cliff High that puts. He's a brilliant man, and uh, he lives in Washington. He's a scientist. He's a computer programmer. He wrote a linguistic program. Oh, you would be interested in this because he's into cryptocurrency. Oh, you guys, all your people, you have to listen to Cliff High. 
Okay. He, um, he was originally with Microsoft back in the days in his late sixties, survived cancer, died a couple of times, still back doing his thing, but he wrote a linguistic uh, program to put, to find, he wanted to find out where the cryptocurrency was going in the future. So he put this program in and the markers that come back to him, it's basically a way to determine the emotional response of people in the future based on linguistics it's it's pretty wild and you'll have to go check him out and hear the story of how he got it started but then he realized that he, it helped him with the cryptocurrency but he also realized it was telling him other things that were coming down the pike and he's been so accurate the thing is he doesn't know how far in the future something will be if it's fuzzy but if it's very imminent, it, then he gets a lot of feedback. And he's been pretty, you know, nailing it with the stuff that's coming down the pike. And um, some stuff I don't know, I don't agree with. But because um, he interprets, of course, like his, his own ideas about things, he kind of interprets. But um, he's been pretty spot on. So his name is Cliff, C-L-I-F. And then his last name is High, H-I-G-H. And... Um, he has a bit shoot channel and I think he does others like Odyssey, um, but I usually catch him on bit shoot and his latest one is called, um, uh, not Budo, but, um, uh, it's called, was it not judo? Anyway, he talks about dojos. Oh, it's called dojo. <laughs> you guys are like, doing dojos in Galileo. At, at Galileo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he, he takes the word apart, you know, I mean, he gets very much into the whole, etymology and then um he talks about dojo and it leads back to the kazarians he gives the whole history of the kazarians he shows a picture of ukraine what part is kazaria and where they infiltrated starting with that area and then they went and this was hundreds of years ago and then they started getting into things and the world economic forum with klaus schwab this other guy that's really evil that's that's his top advisor is Dr. Um, Harari. Mm. And, oh, if you listen to what he says, your hair will stand on end. Like, he can't be human. I'm I totally thought J.P. Spears did something about him That's the, the, one. the other day. Yeah. J.P. Uh, Spears talked yeah. about Dr. Harari. Yeah. Yeah. And he showed clips of what the guy actually said. Yeah. Not a friend and, of human beings. <laughs> and these, it, it, it is nuts. And... Um, yeah, just just to shield the Bitcoin conference, JP Spears, uh, for the listeners, will be speaking. He's one of the speakers at the conference, um, and he's yeah he, he's a comedian, but he's got an amazing way of uh, you know getting information across. The same was really kind of same kind of vibe as Russell Brand in the UK. Um, you yeah. know, they're, they're very kind of similar in mm -hmm. their communication methods. They they use humor and. Um, and comedy to to get the point across but uh what, what they're saying is man it's um yeah it's weird so yeah i mean so there we go like to to bring it back to 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 school being this is the alternate to to what it should be um so so don't fear taking your kids out of that alternate system basically is um is, is what i want to try and help people understand and and west river you're just so people aren't, aren't confused, 
it's not like a school where people sit and they take lessons because right. you, 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 we, we've got to help with the de-schooling process here a little bit. Um, the way I understand it, you know, we've we've had uh, many discussions about what you do. Um, I've decided to homeschool, for example. Uh, I've got my kids at, at home or they're doing their community college or they're going out and meeting their friends um, at um, like these help groups that you would have set up. Um, we have similar here. Uh, today, my, my twins we're out doing um, art and uh, they call it bricolage here where they're messing around with like uh, little electrics, um, like rebuilding stereos or making things out of wood. You, you know that, you know, exactly the, the vibe. Um, yeah. They're doing all of that. Um, it's not like West River is just this school at the end, but you are a service for me that can come the end of uh, each semester or whatever you call it school year and say, right, this is what they did because I've been following around with a notepad and these, these are the subjects and this is where you would help guide me, right? Right, um, exactly. Yeah. So how would you help me guide, how would you help guide me make this what you would call a transcript in the US? I'm not sure what we'd call it across in Europe, uh, maybe a yearly report. report. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, I can just maybe give a little background of what people should do if they're interested. And we are a private school in the United States, and we also serve the whole world. So as long as you're able to get your child out of a school, then they can enroll with us as a private school in the United States to help them with their legal um, fulfillment of their legal requirements in their country, which is compulsory attendance. You must be in a school of some kind, or you must be legally homeschooling. And in some countries, there's no legal homeschooling. So they say, well, if we can enroll our child in a private school in the United States and we can show the paper that they are enrolled, then maybe that will provide an extra layer of protection for me so the government won't come after me and say that I'm truant. And that's been working in a lot of countries and in most of the United States. So the student actually, would, you would then go to our website, westriveracademy.com, click on the enroll now button, you create an account, and then you enroll your kids and you pay the fee, it costs $375 for one year for one child and $50 for each additional child in the same family. So for example, if you have two kids, it'd be $425 for a full school year. And that's for enrollment only. We don't provide any courses. We don't, we're not an online school. Uh, we don't give you assignments. We simply set you free. So what we will do is contact the school that you've been in with an email and with a formal uh, paper that says, this student is now enrolled with us, please transfer the records. So we then become the receptacle for that student's records as long as the student is with us. And then when the student graduates, the records go to the family. When the student goes, if the student goes out to another school, then it will follow them. And the transcript will be made uh, to follow the student. So if the student leaves our school, then we create the transcript for the time the student has been with us and we help you. We're, we have a transcript wizard. So you pick the, the language course, you pick the science course, you pick the math course, whatever course you need to put on the transcript, you put. And then you assign a grade, American style, which is A, B, C grade. You put that on there and then we create the formal transcript with a signature and a seal and a stamp and all that. And we would send that on to the next school along with the records that we have from the previous school. So the records always follow the child. 
And um, then when you are going to graduate, the same thing, you'll have grades 9 through 12 on a transcript. We'll transfer in, say you've been in a public school for grades 9 and 10. You transfer into us in grade 11, then we'll have grades 9 and 10. We'll take those credits and keep them for you. Then when you finish grade 12, you'll have 11 and 12 with us. We put 9, 10, 11, and 12 all together on one transcript. Comes from West River Academy. So when you apply to college, it says, where did you go to school? You say, I went to West River Academy for grades 11, 12. You went to this other school for nine and 10. And then the college will say, great, okay, now we just need to prove that the nine and 10 is what you say it is. And so we need that school to send us the records as well. They match that up, they're fine. They see that they've graduated from a private school. And in rare cases, do they actually go deeper into it to say, oh, that's really homeschool and you have to prove everything you did. But the beauty of being with us through high school is that you can apply as a private school student, not as a homeschool student. And a lot of times, if you apply as a homeschool student, you now have to defend what you do, which is easy if you are a homeschooler that does a curriculum because you have all these things. But if you're an unschooler, to try to take all your natural learning and your curiosity and all this stuff that's holistic and try to compartmentalize that into subjects with courses and credits and grades, it becomes a big job. So when you're with us, you don't have to do that. We do that. We help you create that. And then we produce the transcripts. So you're on your way to wherever you want to go next. And there's been some amazing success stories. Uh, just one recently when you were on our Clubhouse uh, chat, um, somebody came up from the audience and introduced themselves and said that they'd used West River in the transcript and their, I think it was their son. Uh, do you remember this one? Uh, you, remind you, me. Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was special because it might have been from one of the, the new countries that you were helping, maybe the Romanian family. And their son oh, got yeah. a scholarship to a college in the UK. All um, on the back of uh, a West River transcript. But I'm sure you've got plenty of other. Yeah, well, we did have a Romanian student. He was actually on. Um, he was my guest on the clubhouse ah, chat that's right so that he was did. the guest and then there was yeah. a different lady that came up so it must have been a different yeah. um yeah You're probably that's crossing right. too but the yes. guy the boy damien Tagani, he was with us since he was like um, 11 years old and he graduated last year and um he is a um he's interested in psychology but he's also very talented as a musician and an artist and um photographer loves to travel and he said, you know, if I tried to get into university and do a psychology degree, I would, first of all, I'd need money, then I'd have to set up an office and it would be expensive. I wasn't sure I wanted to go down that road quite yet. So I went to this fair where it was like a career fair. And there was this British uh, company who um, I was interested in and in working for their um, HR department. And they decided that they would take me on as an intern. And um, so I thought, well, this is kind of good because with HR, I can use my interest in psychology to work with people all the time. And I just love working with people and it could be a really nice step for me. So he took that and he was working as an intern for about a month. And then they approached him and they said, we want to hire you full time and we never want you to leave. <laughs> he was just so good. 
and he has very good English skills. And um, he's he's so well-rounded, very well-read. And I'm sure they were super impressed with him and just didn't want to lose him. So they offered him like, you know, a really nice job, which he says is great for now. But just because they flattered him, you know, with all of his you know abilities and they were impressed, he's not he's not buying it in terms of just like, oh, yeah, I'll be there. Like, no, it's like, yeah, this is good for me now. And I'm glad that they're happy with me. And um, it's turning out to be a very good first job for an 18 year old, right? <laughs> Without college. So what do you need college for if you can get that kind of an opportunity? But we did have another uh, girl who uh, was accepted into St. Andrews in Scotland mm-hmm. uh, without any problem some years ago. So I, and I don't remember the other lady you were talking about. Yeah. But that's um, the thing with kids. We don't really recommend college anymore because it's more right. the same when you think about it. That's, it's the that's same what, agenda, that was be the my same question. lies. <laughs> same lies you learn in L in K through 12, you're going to just extend the same lies that you're learning, you know? And um, when you realize that so much of our learning has been what they've wanted us to learn instead of what really is true or what's like in science, we, I mean, you can, they, you can fly a car right now with the technology that's on this planet that they don't want us to know about. You know, you can travel to other galaxies through wormholes and stargates and things like, but they don't want us to know that, but they're doing it. Like, why do you think we have a colony on Mars? How did they get there? <laughs> Through the military, right? 20, what's a 20 and back program? You go somewhere for 20 years, they regress you, and then you come back as if you never left. <laughs> like, this is happening. How do they do that? We don't know. We're just common folk. But um, that's where colleges aren't going to help you to learn that kind of thing. You have to go down the rabbit holes, and hopefully someday it will be common knowledge, and we'll be teaching people about it. But that's what we need to be learning. And um, so why spend all this money and all the four, like the best years of your early adult life, you're in another prison called college. (laughs) And they're telling you what they want you to learn and not giving you time to learn anything else. And they got you captured for four years, 18 to 22 years old. Like that's prime intelligence and wisdom gaining and learning. And they've captured that. So captured it and crippled it. And burdened you with debt at the same time. Yeah, the debt is ridiculous. Yeah, so I tell people if you really want to do college, go go to community college first, um, because you can do that while you're still in high school and get dual credit. Especially in California, it's free for kids to go to college, uh, community college. In Colorado, it's not free, but you are getting uh, college credit for it. And then we had a boy last year who um, graduated from us when he was 18. At the same time, he had done community college in Boulder, Colorado, and he graduated with associate's degree at the same time that he got his high school diploma. And he started as a third year student at the University of Colorado in Boulder. So, you know, if you really want to go down the academic road, why don't you start when you're 16 instead of 18? You're fully capable of doing college work when you're 16. So there's a lot of ways to do this. And We've been told there's one route, stay on the straight and narrow, or you're going to fail. And that's the fear that people have. Oh, we're going to fail if we don't do it this way. But question it because it's not true. And the more you question and the more you see what other students have done successfully, the more at ease you're going to feel about taking that first step. And it's, it's, a, it's a path well beaten at this stage, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, I was um, speaking with with Kate Robinson 
uh, just last week, who's just finished her her dad's book, Imagine If, um, since Sir Ken's passing. And, uh, you know, we were discussing, he, he was the first to say, like, you know, the, what he's talking about isn't new. The, these arguments he's presenting aren't new. You know, the, these have been fought many years before him and he stood on shoulders of giants. Um, he, he was just a, a brilliant communicator and managed to re, uh, reach a, a far and wide um, audience, uh, especially through his TED Talks. But um, who who would you, I mean, we've talked about John Holt, we've talked about John Telegato, uh, we've just touched on, there on Sir Ken. For, for those people that do want to go down this rabbit hole, I mean, there are three brilliant resources there. All three of them have written great books. Um, these kind of podcasts, the clubhouse sessions we we run, there's so much out there. Is there anything else that um, that you think people should uh, perhaps touch on if they are willing to do the research? Well, if for teenagers, there's a Teenage Liberation Handbook by Grace Llewellyn. She yes. also wrote a book called Real Lives, 11 Teenagers Who Do Not Go to School, which actually those teens wrote and she compiled them. So these are kids who had been in a school structure. They got out and they became unschoolers and they tell about their transition from school to unschool and then what they were doing. And this is when they were still young. They weren't adults. They were just like still 18 or so when they wrote these essays. And she took like the top 11 essays that she received because she had a not back to school camp that she did for teens um, in September. And um, so that was her brilliant idea. So that's great for the kids to read too, because they see, oh, these are my peers and look what they did. But for the parents to see what the kids did might, might help them feel like, oh, that, this is kind of like my kid. and Maybe my kid could do a similar thing. So, um, and then there was Homeschooling for Excellence. This is a law, an old book by David and Mickey Colfax, where this was uh, two, uh, back in the day, they were professors um, at universities in California and they were blackballed for some political reasons. And they ended up moving to the Sierras, I think, and they did, they homesteaded up there. And they had um, two kids, biological, and then they adopted a black child and an Eskimo child. And um, all four of them ended up, I think the first three went to Harvard and the fourth went to Cal Polytech because he was more of an artist. But um, they were first saying, oh, you know, the two older ones, you know, they got into Harvard, but the parents were brilliant. But then the black kid got into Harvard too. So they couldn't say it was genetic. <laughs> and the black boy, he was brilliant. And he built a telescope by himself when they were homesteading. And they got down to the library like once a month. And other than that, I mean, they were working daylight hours on their homestead, which was off the grid. And then when they got at nighttime, they'd have their little lamps on and they do their, you know, looking at books and stuff like that, reading and things. And this was their story. And um, so it's very inspiring to see a family like that, that um, educates all four children and pretty much on their own in the middle of nowhere. And yet Harvard thought that, you know, they were one, the first boy became a doctor, but he was more of a humanitarian doctor. He went to Africa and he started to really, you know, use his craft to help people. And um, yeah, it's fascinating just to hear how their lives developed and how the parents worked with them and then what they went on to do. Like those stories from like beginning to, and then through generations are fun. I got I got a quick question for you because this came up recently in a, a clubhouse uh, thing as well. Um, do you think we need to reform the education system or abolish it? Abolish it. 
because there should not be any compulsory attendance. You know, and this is where it really gets me when groups are out to be like, oh, well, we just want to change schools. Why? And, and John Holt, that was his idea initially was to reform. And then he realized this is a dinosaur and it's never going to happen in our lifetime. So why do we even try? Let's just do something different. Now, the, the worst thing that ever happened is requiring kids to go to school. So if you abolish that law, oh, the, I mean, I used to dream of what kids would be doing if they weren't in school and what parents would be doing at setting up co-ops and, oh, you're a software engineer? Well, then let's do a co-op and your kid can come for free and you teach some software, you know, to kids who want to learn. So it's all voluntary. You vote with your feet. If you're a good teacher, people are going to flock around you. And if you're trying to, you know, drive the, the do the whip, they're going to, they're going to leave, you know? And so if kids have the ability to leave, leave a learning situation because they didn't feel it was valuable, then all the bad teachers would disappear. <laughs> they would have no kids. So yeah, the first thing is to just get rid of the coercive, get rid of the governments. We have to get rid of all the governments on the planet. They're the evil because they're installed by the Kazarians <laughs> to oppress us and create these laws that keep us diminished. So you get rid of governments, you get rid of those laws, you let the people start to form what they want. And it, it will take time. It's not an overnight job. But if we don't have this idea uh, and this goal of getting rid of that which is oppressing us, not just at this level, but at the top level, they'll just keep recreating it from the top and we'll just get more. So we need to see how far the rabbit hole goes to get rid of whatever is up there you know, and then that will mean that we're not going to have compulsory attendance laws. We shouldn't compel humans. Everything should be voluntary. Absolutely. And it says right, right there, West River Academy and underneath freedom starts here. Right. That's, uh, that's what it's all about. And that's what, uh, that's what we want for our, for our families. And um, like, I, like I explained before, that's what Bitcoiners are, are coming to appreciate. That's what they want to build around. They want to build communities around families, Build families, number one, uh, you know, it, a lot of the people in the Bitcoin space, they're, they're not buying the narrative of, you know, it would be irresponsible for me to bring a human being onto this planet at this moment. Like, no, they're, they're the complete opposite. They're like, I'm going to have at least three or four kids and it's all going to be a family nucleus and it's going to be built around, uh, you know, ancestral food and um, homesteading was, keeps coming up and up again, all in these different conversations, regenerative farming uh, and the idea of, um, of homeschooling goes hand in hand with all of that. Right. And the, the service that you offer, uh, and, and it's, I know it's not a hundred percent global. It's um, I mean, I think you cover all States in the U S well, you, I won't take words out of well, you. Well, it's it's 100% global. It's just it's just where you're allowed to enroll with us and be safe. Mm -hmm. So it's offered to everybody and more and more countries now are finding out about us and becoming brave like Croatia, the Balkans, like they're they're coming on board now and you know more and more people are finding that they've had enough. So there's a huge awakening. Maybe it's not as fast as we would like it, but it is happening. So I'm, I'm optimistic that we're moving in the right direction and um, everyone's doing their bit, you know? Absolutely. And it's these kind of conversations that are going to just keep pushing that, that, um, that boulder down the hill. Well, yeah. Peggy, if you could 
uh, I usually ask if you could orange pill one person, who would it be? And that would mean like just give the the, the Bitcoin goodness to somebody. But in in your in your world, if you could have one person come out and say we need to abolish state education and we need to move towards a more natural way of learning who would that person be and why i mean to say to do that yeah. like that other people would listen to yeah i don't even like the idea of putting someone as an authority to be listened to i think we're i think it's us i love it and i th and, and i think it's just people to people like Grass whoever's roots. listening, yeah, whoever's listening to this podcast, they're ready for it. To think about it, not necessarily to take their kids out of school tomorrow, but mm -hmm. they're listening to this because they're drawn to it and therefore it must resonate to some degree. And that's way better than picking some controversial figure that is going to be like, I hate him. No, he's to this. He's to that. He's Republican. He's Democrat. He's left. He's right. No, I'm going to listen to him. Yeah, I mean, who wants that? Because that's more division. Yeah. So it's more what's happening uh, uh, you might say behind the scenes or at the grassroots level, like anyone who you, when I was uh, just raising my kids, I go to the grocery store with uh, my six-year-old and she wasn't in school. And the cash register cashier would say, you know, wow, how come your daughter's not in school? So I could take that as, uh Oh, defense. Or was it be like, really? You've never heard about homeschooling. Like it's the greatest thing. You should check it out. And they're like, Whoa. So they think they're ready to like attack you. But you say, uh, uh I'm going on the offense here. I'll tell you about it. If you're asking, I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, so um, it's just doing our little part. Network effects. That's what we're all about. Well, yeah. Peggy, where should people come and find uh, out about you and, and how can they reach out if they're, um, if they're ready for, for one of your 15 minute or one hour long consultants, consultancy yeah, well, calls. <laughs> just consultations. Yeah. Uh, we offer a free 15-minute consultation, which is not limited to 15 minutes, but it's for people that want to know more about yeah. West River and how we can help. And you go just go to our website, which is westriveracademy.com and scroll down, read all the cool stuff there, and then come down to where it says schedule a call. Click on that and schedule your call and the available hours are there. And then I'll be happy to talk with you. You get straight to Peggy face to face. Yep. I'm and, the one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and I love that about um, about what you've been doing and what you've built here, and uh, you, you're still so passionate about it. It's is certainly your life calling. Um, you, you uh, the way I see you, um, it, it's like you're continually throwing life belts out to to kids that are drowning and families that are drowning, and um, kind of a stark analogy after the uh, after the. The story about your great grandfather on the Titanic, but uh, yeah, that's, uh... yeah he, he ended up drowning, but oh well, <laughs> some of his progeny survived. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, yeah, you, you're trying to get as many people on the lifeboat as possible and, and, and get them out of a system that's possibly, you know, hurting them in the families. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. It's to free people. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on, Peggy. Really appreciate it. Great Absolutely, conversation. Absolutely, Daniel. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. What do you think of that? Hope you enjoyed that one with Peggy and got a deeper understanding of the service that they offer at West River Academy. Just to sum up, if you are already homeschooling, 
if you are looking to homeschool or take your kids out and you're worried about the certification process and will they ever go to college and how will they ever get a job, this is the company for you. We are signing up uh, our uh, 14-year-old. It's probably not too necessary for our 11-year-olds at the moment, but you might just sign them up anyway uh, just uh, because we've got an eye on what's going on in France and France are now... They've just dropped the bombshell since I spoke with Peggy that they're trying to make schooling mandatory, compulsory, forced, let's use the right word, forced schooling from the age of two, which is just nonsense. And they're also trying to outlaw schooling as well. So this is where we are, plebs. This is the world in which we live today. So it would be prudent, I would say, to, to sign your kids up. It's, um, it's a tiny cost compared to what you might pay at a private school or of course uh, any kind of um, college so yeah take a look at it book that consultation call with Peggy you'll get a free call with her if, if you need her guidance or if you have any further questions need clarifying and uh, yeah best of luck I'm always always open to uh, chat about this and share my experience you can find more about that in my book choose life a little shield there uh, and I promise yeah I, I've promised many plebs that I would do a read-through of the book and turn it into an audiobook and just release it on the podcast and, and that way you guys would be able to stream some sats my way rather than give it all over to Kindle direct publishing so that's that's a project on my desk so look out for that as well um, yeah thanks again Peggy really appreciate you coming on great conversation as always guys there's one other thing before we leave I'm going to shill again the show sponsors uh, the most important one right now because of the, the day of release uh, the UK are seizing uh, Russian assets including a football club this is ridiculous get your keys in your control use the Bitbox O2 shift crypto wallet Use another wallet. I don't care. If you use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bidden, you will get a 5% discount. You can go and listen to Douglas Backham. I've had him on the show twice. Do your own research, of course. But if that's the last thing you hear me say today, get control of your Bitcoin, then I'm doing my job. So thank you so much for listening. You know where to stack. Swan Bitcoin, Coin Corner, Relay, Bitcoin Reserve. Thank you for listening. Take care.